Have you ever thought about God? You ever really, really thought about God? It seems that we have different concepts of God. We just sang a song that He's a good, good Father. And I believe that. He is a good, good Father. But you know, some people think God is a, a harsh God. Some people think it like God just has something out for them, that He's just harsh towards them. Maybe he's, he's just out to get you. Sometimes people think that way about God. He, he just loves to punish us. He loves to hold us under His thumb. He, he frowns upon our every move. We can't do enough. We often mistake where the Scripture says to fear God. And in our minds we read that, but we, we interpret that as be scared to death of God. Some Christians think that if the Bible says fear, that's exactly what it means. That we should be afraid of God. We should be scared to death of God. But on the other hand, have you ever considered what makes God smile? Probably most of us haven't really given much thought to that. From listening to people talk, it seems that sometimes we aren't even aware of God's smile in our life. How are you doing today? Not too good. Well, you're breathing. You're better than some people. How's your week? Eh, could have been better. I had to go to work. I had to work a lot this week. You have a job? How was that meal? Eh, I've had better. You ate something. Sometimes we just aren't aware that God smiles in our lives. We see things on the news. We see things on social media. So much... I just call it misguided negativity about how I think it, that's what, what puts us in a place of how we, how we think about God, how we miss the smile of God. Even Christians, so much of the time, seem to be living without any indications that God's smile is a part of their daily life. And maybe you're one of them right now. Maybe you're at a point in your life where you feel God has forgotten about you. Or that maybe He's even frowning on you because of your situation. But Scripture tells us that God indeed smiles. And the secret of joy that I want to reveal to you today is that the smile of God does exist. But there's some things that we need to think about in the terms of our lives and what we do and what we do that makes God smile and how we should live in such a way that His smile will be more evident in our lives each day. Let's see what we can find in Scripture to answer that question. Today, as we seek the smile of God, I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 66. And as you're turning there, I'm going to pray. Father God, we come here this morning. We worship you. Lord, I pray that what we have done so far today has honored you. I pray that it has brought a smile to your face. I pray that as we look at what Isaiah has shared in your word that it won't just be words that we read, that we look at, but that it'll be something we will choose to apply to our lives. Open our hearts to your word, Lord. Let us be receptive. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So we're going to start out in Isaiah 66. I want you to go ahead and get comfortable, because yes, we're going to read the whole chapter. Every single verse. And it goes like this. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where, is, where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? 
And so they came into being, declares the Lord. Has, these are the ones I look on with favor. Pay attention to that word favor. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. But whoever sacrifices a bull is like one who kills a person. And whoever offers a lamb is like one who breaks a dog's neck. Whoever makes a grain offering is like one who presents pig's blood. And whoever burns memorial incense is like one who worships an idol. They have chosen their own ways and they delight in their abominations. So I will also choose harsh treatment for them. And will bring on them what they dread. For when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, no one listened. They did evil in my sight and chose what displeases me. Hear the word of the Lord. You who tremble at His word. Your own people who hate you and exclude you because of my name have said. Let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy. Yet they will be put to shame. Hear that uproar from the city. Hear that noise from the temple. It is the sound of the Lord repaying His enemies as they all deserve. Before she goes into labor, she gives birth. Before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Who has ever heard of such a thing? Who has ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. Do I bring to the moment of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord? Do I close up the womb when I bring to delivery, says your God? Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice greatly with her, all you who mourn over her. For you will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breast. You will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. For this is what the Lord says, I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. When you see this, your heart will rejoice. You will flourish like grass. The hand of the Lord will be made known to his servants, but his fury will be shown to his foes. See, the Lord is coming with fire, and his chariots are like a whirlwind. He will bring down his anger with fury, and his rebuke with flames of fire. For with fire and with sword, the Lord will execute judgment on all people, and many will be those slain by the the Lord. Verse 17, those who consecrate and purify themselves to go into the gardens following one who is among those who eat the flesh of pigs, rats, and other unclean things, they will meet their end. Together with the one they follow, declares the Lord. And I, because of what they have planned and done, am about to come and gather the people of all nations and languages, and they will come and see my glory. I will set a sign among them and I will send some of those who survive to the, to the nations of Tarshish, to the Libyans, to the Lydians, famous as archers, to Tubal and Greece and to the distant islands that have not heard of my fame or seen my glory. They will proclaim my glory among the nations. And, I, and they will bring all of your people 
from all the nations to my holy mountain in Jerusalem as an offering to the Lord on horses and chariots and wagons, on mules and camels, says the Lord. They will bring them as the Israelites bring their grain offerings to the temple of the Lord and ceremonially clean vessels. And I will select some of them also to be priests and Levites, says the Lord. As the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and descendants endure. From one new moon to another, from one Sabbath to another, all mankind will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. And they will go out and look on the dead bodies of those who rebelled against me. The worms that eat them will not die. The fire that burns them will not be quenched. And they will be loathsome to all mankind. And I, you may have just read that and heard that and you're thinking, that did not sound like the smile of God to me. But that's why I'm here today because I want to point these things out to you. See, what had happened is at one time, the Israelites, they had built this lovely temple for God. Okay? And then they ended up being taken into captivity in Babylon. Before the captivity, though, the Jews were prone to idolatry. That's what we learned. Uh, they were very ritualistic in their worship. This is what God is, is talking about right here. This is why he says in those first few verses about if you, if you sacrifice a bull, it's like killing a human. It's because they had just become so, so mundane with their worship. They were in the process of missing the smile of God. And so God has this way of getting our attention. And this particular season, the, the Israelites are in, in captivity to Babylon. And some people say that, that Isaiah is, is um, prophesying about the next temple that's going to be built. Some say that he's just calling to attention where they've been and where they are so that they can get themselves ready for what God is going to show them next. But either way, he singles out a few things. God, I think, is using Isaiah to remind the people that he wasn't as interested in the temple as he was in the lives of certain people. And, and then he gets specific in those first couple of verses. He actually singles out three types of people, three groups, if you will. And he singles them out for his special attention. He says, the poor. Some of you are like, amen, I'm in there. <laughs> the contrite. <laughs> and then the group that caught my attention. And he mentions them in verse 2 and then in verse 5. And he calls them the ones that tremble at his word. And you think, how does trembling at God's word bring him joy? How does trembling at God's word bring a smile to God's face, if you will? And I want us to look at a couple of things about the people who tremble at God's word. First off, we're going to look at who they are. Second, we're going to look at why they tremble at God's word. And how exactly does God see the people that tremble at his word? And then, of course, there's a response time question that you all will get to answer. Do you tremble at the word of the Lord? There's a lot happening in this chapter of Isaiah. I want to encourage you to, to go back and read it a little bit more this week. And God is making comparisons. He's telling Isaiah what pleases him. But he starts off with what, what doesn't please him. Do you remember what he said doesn't please him? Well, it's not the temple. It's not a half-hearted sacrifice. It, it's not the building. He says, I am the creator of heaven and earth. What are you going to create that's going to impress me? Nothing. Folks, it is not the Crystal Cathedral. Remember the Crystal Cathedral? Yeah. It's not the room we're sitting in right now. It's not the building that we came to this morning. 
And it's not the sacrifices. The, the graphicness that goes into those first few verses where he talks about, you might as well break a dog's neck as to make an offering to me. That's a hard issue. He's saying, don't just do it because you've always done it. Do it because you want to make an offering to me. It's not the sacrifices. He's also telling them what's, here, what's to come. He says, he's going to send them to places they've never been. He's already got their attention because they're in Babylon. And he says, hey, I'm going to send you to places you haven't been. They're not enjoying this time in Babylon. It's not a great time for them. And he says, and when you go to these other places, you're going to proclaim my glory in those lands. And then he really throws them for a loop. And this is why I wonder if the Pharisees, why they were so harsh at taking the message that Jesus brought. Because God tells them way back in Isaiah, or Isaiah tells them from God to them. He says, you're going to go to these lands. You're going to bring these people back to the mountain of the Lord. And I, God, am going to make Levites and priests out of them. He's telling them, yes, you're my chosen people, but there are other people that I'm going to bring before me that are going to do the same things you're doing. I thought, wow. God's got their undivided attention in captivity, and he's telling them, now, when you leave from here, you're going to go to places you've never been. You're going to come back. You're going to bring people, and I'm going to consecrate those people too. And yet they were still deaf to Jesus' message of who he was. He even said what he was going to do. He's going to bring foreigners and they're going to come before him. Folks, what makes God smile? It's not what we wear. It's not what we, what we bring. It's, it's how we bring it. It's, he doesn't smile because we do the same thing every Sunday or because we sit in the same seat every Sunday. What pleases God is those who tremble at his word. But who are the people that tremble at God's word. In order to answer that question, I want to tell you who they're not first. Those that tremble at God's word, they're not proud and pompous people. If you're a proud person in the way you live your life, and you're so extremely proud of yourself that you are, you're not allowing yourself to be humbled by God's word, um, you're not trembling. They're not profane people. If you're here on Sunday, but on Monday, you're vulgar, you're profane, you're missing the point. They're not people who mock at sin or make light of sin. They're not people who mock God's word. I got to be honest with you, at one point in my life, I was a person that mocked God's word. I wasn't concerned about what God thought of me. I wasn't concerned about whether God was smiling at me because I was too busy being angry at God. Those that tremble before the Lord are not the people who are just going through the Christian motions. I visited a church this past week and I was talking with the preacher and we went through and he goes, hey, we did some, some upgrades in our auditorium. You should come check it out. And they did. We came in and and they had some really good things. They, they, had, they had changed some stuff on the stage. They had added a few things. It was really cool. But you know what I noticed in that church as I was walking through? We came in the back and we walked forward right down the middle. And I noticed there was a blanket. And that's not, not unusual. But then I noticed on the other side, there were a couple of more. And they were folded very neatly in certain spots 
in the pews. They weren't just like blankets on the ends. They were like, there was one like right in the middle of a pew. I noticed that there was a, a couple of, um, like, like when you go to the football game, like little bleacher pillows, you know, little bleacher backs. There were a couple of those. And, and I joked, I said, what are you getting long-winded? They got to they gotta bring some back support, you know? And, and they got blankets? Are they, you, when your people fall asleep, you just cover them up, you know? <laughs> it was cracking me up. He goes, no, no, that's just kind of where, where those people sit, and, and they're a little bit cold-natured, so they just leave, they leave their blankets in their seat. <laughs> that just cracks me up. I'm like, oh, man, they're ready to just move right in. And, and let me tell you, they come in late. If you happen to be sitting by their blanket, they're not going to share it with you. I said, are you kidding me? They're marking their territory with blankets? Well, you know, I'll tell you who else they're not. They are not people that that are patronizing. They're not the people, the Christian people that sit in judgment of the world. I want to give you some advice as a Christian. It is not our place to judge the world. God's going to take care of that. He will judge. That's His job. It's our job to be a reflection to the world of our God. To show His joy. To be a reflection of His smile. That's our job, Christian. That's what we're called out to do in its most basic form. It's not our place to judge. You know, the people who do not tremble before God, they're they're presumptuous people. They just, they're okay with it. But those who tremble at the Lord and His Word, first of all, they're people that they believe in God's Word. They believe that there's a Word from the Lord. They believe the Bible is different from every other book that's ever written. They believe God's Word is infallible. They believe there are no loopholes to exploit. No contradictions. The reason they believe this is true is because they believe that the Bible, the whole Bible, is a Word from God. They tremble at God's Word, not because they fear it, but because they're familiar with it. They read it. They pray over it. They meditate on it. You see, it's impossible to tremble at the Word of God if you don't know it. That was part of my problem. I was baptized as a young man, and then my parents started having issues. They decided to be divorced and separated, and at my age, your parents are your heroes, and it couldn't be their fault, so it had to be God's fault. Because if God loved me enough to send Jesus to die for me, He should have loved me enough to keep my family together. And see, my young mind didn't comprehend free will. It didn't comprehend that my parents were making poor choices. I couldn't comprehend that my parents were not putting God first in their life. My parents were not trembling at God's Word, and because they weren't trembling at God's Word, I also didn't know God's Word well enough to know that it wasn't God's fault, but theirs. And I couldn't fear God's Word because I didn't know it. I wasn't familiar with it. I didn't read it. I didn't pray about it. I didn't meditate on it. And it's impossible to tremble at the Word of God without knowing it. And it's impossible to know the Word of God without hearing it, without reading it. You know, the more we read it, the better we understand it. The more we understand it, the more it will cause us to fear God in a spiritually healthy way. Parents, One of my favorite things about being a parent was teaching Dylan all of the great lessons in life. 
Look both ways before crossing the street. Don't put a penny in a light socket. Don't lick the end of the extension cord. Think about this. How many of you, by show of hands, disciplined your kid for running out in the street after a ball? Come on. It's okay. It's okay. Give me that back, please. Because here's the thing. I would rather my son have a sore bottom at four years old and learn not to chase a $2 ball across the street than to have to preach his funeral. I would rather my son have a sore hand than get electrocuted for continually trying to stick something in a light socket. That doesn't mean I'm a bad father. It means I love him that much. See, it's the same thing. We set boundaries in our house for what reason, parents? Yeah, because we love them. Love them. We want to protect our kids. As you read the Word of God, you will see those boundaries. You'll see that when, we, when we're within those boundaries, you will continue, you'll be able to see the smile of God in your life. As you read the Word of God, you will be introduced to His exceeding majesty. When you read through Scripture, you're going to see times where people who saw God's reflection, just seeing Moses in the cleft of a rock, trembled in God's presence. Just in His reflected majesty, they trembled. And for us today, that's what the Bible is. The Bible reflects God's majesty to us. And if you never open it, you will never be in that reflection. You will never see what God and who God really is. We should tremble because of the Bible. We should tremble because of the Word of God and its searching power. Now, I need to warn you, if you're reading the Word of God, a couple of things are going to happen in your life. Yes, you will see the smile of God. But if you're reading the Word of God, it will reveal your sin in your life. That's one of the reasons I think sometimes, even as Christians, we choose not to study Scripture throughout the week. Because we know either we're going to do something stupid, or maybe we did right off the bat. And rather than, than seek accountability, rather than seek a way to move away from that, we just kind of accept, I'm just going to chase this ball out into the street again. Scripture will reveal the sin in your life. The reflection of God will reveal the shortcomings in your life. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 says this. It says, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered. And laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. See, God's word, it has the ability to show us what we are. And it has the ability to show us what we should be. There was a movie that came out years ago. It was called The Replacements. And these professional football players, 
didn't like the amount of money they were being paid, so they decided to go on strike. And the owner of the team hires in these scrub players. They, they were has-beens. They all had a, a knack or a talent for the game. And one of the guys they, they, they bring in is, is uh, named Shane Falco, uh, played by Keanu Reeves, and he's a quarterback. And they're getting ready for the first game. And he asked the coach, he said, Coach, why would you pick me? Why did you come and get me to do this for the next eight weeks? And he said, you know, Shane, I saw the man you used to be. He was an all-star quarterback. He did all this great stuff, but he, but he broke down in college. He said, I saw the man you used to be, and I see the man that you can be. And when those two come together, it's going to make for a heck of a football game. Same thing happens for us in the Word of God. It will show us who we used to be, and it will show us who we can be. And when those come together in the parameters of God's Word, we're going to make for an amazing reflection of Jesus Christ on this community. You're going to experience the smile of God when you allow His Word to change you in that way. You see, we should tremble at God's Word because it explains sin. It explains what happens in our lives when we choose sin. God's Word explains judgment to the sinner. But more than that, it shows restoration for those that choose to follow His direction. And when we choose to follow His direction, you begin to see the smile of God. Scripture talks about how how the heavens rejoice when someone chooses God. We should tremble at God's Word because of the fear of breaking our covenant with Him. Do you remember the covenant you made with God when you were baptized? We should have no desire to offend such a loving father. Like a kid chasing a ball. We shouldn't want to go outside of what God has established for us. But we're just like that. In the moment of our sin, we forget that chasing that sin is going to pull us away from God. We forget that chasing that is going to cause death. We forget where it's safe. How does God view those that tremble at His Word? This is where today's secret is about to be revealed. You see, the secret of joy for the Christian is found in the smile of God. I've been saying that. And when we tremble at His Word, when we live our life as a reflection of Him, rather than a reflection of ourselves, God will look to you with His attention. I had somebody say to me recently, you know, things have been really hard. With my family, things have been hard with work. just seems like there's no blessing from God right now. I just don't understand why all these things keep happening. In that same conversation, the person was telling me why they were no longer coming back to church. And I, I called them out. I said, well, first off, how can you expect God to bless you? You haven't even shown up. And you haven't spent time in His Word. You haven't been praying. Oh, I pray all the time. Eh. You haven't been meditating on His Word. I said, I hate that you're going to go somewhere else. But the reality is you're not even active here. So are you really going to go somewhere else? Well, that's the plan. Good luck. I'll miss you. You know, like a kid chasing a ball. The parameters are simple. Read it. Learn it. 
Apply it to your life. When we tremble at His Word, God will look at you with His attention. Your needs will be met. Your desires, that's a different story, but your needs will be met. God will look to you with His affection. When we tremble at His Word, remember John 3.16? For God so loved the world. Man, you guys scared me for a second. I thought you didn't remember it. <laughs> Woo! Gave His only Son. When we tremble at His Word, He'll look to us with His affection. He will look to us with His approval when we live our lives in the parameters of His Word. When we tremble at His Word, He will look to us with approval. Good job. You finished the race. Well done, good and faithful servant. Like I told you at the beginning of this message, when we look at those who tremble at God, we looked at who they are. We looked at why they tremble and how exactly God sees those who tremble at His Word. He smiles down. Now you have to begin thinking about how you're going to answer the response time question. I warned you this was coming. And the question is, do you tremble at the word of the Lord? I was talking about this sermon with someone. He said, but should Christians even fear God? A lot of people think in our world that a loving God wouldn't exact a judgment or a vengeance or anything because He loves us. And, and so as Christians, we shouldn't fear God. God's just like our best friend. You know, that's not a bad analogy, except I've seen far too many people take advantage of their best friend. And then turn their back on him. So no, you can't treat God like he's your best friend. You can't treat God like he's your comfort, like he's just your teddy bear, like he's at your beck and call. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you want to see the smile of God, learn his, his wisdom. Learn his instruction. Apply it to your life. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 It says, be holy, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you have had, or excuse me, you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a Father who judges each person's person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. You don't have to be scared to death, but in reverent fear, in respectable fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. For God so loved the world. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake that He gave His only Son. Verse 21, Through Him, 
you believe in God who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him. And so your faith and your hope are in God that whoever believes in Him shall not perish. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that what you have, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Brothers and sisters, this is the word that we should tremble at. We don't need to fear the world. We don't need to fear anything that is in our world. We don't need to fear anything that the world throws at us. We don't need to fear terrorism. We don't need to fear guns and gun control. We don't need to fear outlaws. We don't need to fear in-laws. We may need to fear our in-laws. Let me back that up a notch. We don't need to fear politicians. We don't need to fear the laws that are being made. We need to fear the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. We need to know His Word more than we need to know the next answer on Jeopardy or how to solve the puzzle on Wheel of Fortune. We need to know God's Word more than we need to know what's popping up on Facebook or social media. We need to know God's Word more than we need to know about the celebrity gossip on Entertainment Tonight or what happens next on Grey's Anatomy. Hey, here's an idea. Let's pay more attention to our families than we do to modern family or the middle or blackish or the Goldbergs. How about that? Can we try that for a week? Let's choose to be people that tremble at God's Word. 1 Peter 1, 13-25, I think speaks well of the fear that we should strive for here. Go back and read that again this week. The only question is, how will you respond? Will you choose to learn and pray and study over God's Word and tremble at His Word so that God can look at you and smile? So that you can experience the smile of God? So that you can hear Him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Or will you just glance at it from time to time and wonder if it's going to stick or not? If you choose to tremble at God's Word, then you have a response to make to His Word today. Maybe for you that response is baptism. Maybe your response is you need to pray and, and find some accountability for some things in life. Our elders are here. They'd love to share that with you. Whatever your response is, will you stand and sing with us and respond to God's Word accordingly? Hey, it has been great to be here and worship with you all today. And now it's time to go. As you go this week, I want you to take your time. Look into God's Word let it begin to reflect in your life. And when it does, you will see the smile of God. I want to pray for our, our meal and our meeting. We're going to sing one last song and we'll make our way back to the Fellowship Bay. Let's make sure, like I said, we go looking for ways to find the smile of God this week. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to be here and to worship and share. And as we go into a time of fellowship, I pray, Lord, that We'll continue to honor you with, with our words, with our deeds. I pray that you ask you would bless this food to our bodies, that uh, as we make some, some business decisions and some other decisions for the church, that we'll 
uh, continue to be following in your will. In your son's name we pray. Amen.